0: Man, love this church, love the fact that we get to talk about relationships for our second series ever. You should feel bad for me, and here's why. Because, like, talking about relationships to a room like this, like, there's, there's diversity here in regards to relationships. Like, we've got single people who want to be married, single people who don't want to be married, Probably married people who love being married, maybe married people who don't like to be married, uh, maybe parents, maybe some teenagers, maybe uh, people who are here in church for the very first time or people who have already seen every relationship sermon and series on YouTube and are expecting to hear something new today from me. You know, like you should pity me. You should pray for me um, and feel bad for me because I am, I am not an expert on this. I like to think I know some stuff. I've been married now for five years. Um, wow. Wow, thank you. Five years, five years. Feels like yesterday, we just got married. I love you, babe. It really does. Uh, we've learned a lot of things the hard way. We really have, and we, we know some stuff. We've also learned a lot of things the easy way because we know other people who have learned those things the hard way, and we've gleaned that information from them. Because you are allowed in life to learn things the easy way. I'm trying to do that as much as possible. So I like to think like I know some stuff about relationships, but uh, I'm not an expert. And you might be like, "Yeah, Pastor Obvious." We know that, like. The sky is blue. Austin is weird. You're not an expert. Like, are we just saying things that are clear to everybody? Like, but that's just my disclaimer, which is why we'll probably just go straight to the Bible and we'll speak about that, which means if you don't like what I have to say, you can take it up with my boss. Email him at god at right? See, we love Christian jokes. You was like a 20% laugh, guys, but I know in your, like inside you're, you're cracking up right now. We love them. And Christian pickup lines. Do you want to know how I got my wife? What, what was it? Was it, uh, babe, I'm flipping through my Bible. It's incomplete because in the book of Numbers, yours is not here. I didn't make that up. That's not really how I got her. Um, I did, however, I was leading a mission trip that she was on, and uh, I, my mission became just flirting with her. And uh, I feel like that's just good for me to like confess. That was like, it, like on our trip, I was, I'm not focused on God. I'm just focused on her. And he was cool with it. Like we ended up getting married. He who finds a wife finds what is good. That's in the Bible somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, guys, I'm excited. mixtape tape, Does anybody remember mixtapes tapes or burned CDs? Anybody still have a burned CD in their car? CDs in your car? I found this in my car. It's the, oh, it was just in my back pocket we're doing that like this is the uh this is like oh how convenient right i carry this around with me everywhere and now i know why like um this is uh like the last mixtape or burn cd that i ever made for my wife and uh mixtapes are made to move you right like it's more than just a playlist right and mixtapes burn cds we call them mixtapes it's like your sneaky little way of tricking your crush into subliminally associating 12 to 18 love songs with you, right? I say 12 to 18, depending on how much space you have on your, on your blank CD and how long the songs are. You remember like having to cut songs when burning it? Like that's so difficult. It's like cutting like kids. It's like, they're all special. And like, I, he needs to know, like I wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I can't cut LFO new kids on the block, right? He's gonna think of me like, I need to have Nick Lachey on this or she's not gonna know that I'm sensitive, right? Like I can't cut Nelly or she won't know that I have swag, right? But how many know if that's the only way she knows you have swag, you don't have swag, right? And that's, that's right. I'm speaking from experience on that, guys. I have 0% on the swag odometer, but, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, confident, I'm getting there, I can say that in front of you now, but like, this is your way like, oh, here, here's a mixtape, I made you this burn CD, like, put it in your car, in your CD deck, and on the next rainy day like, if you're feeling lonely, just put it in and and now every time that you hear Lifehouse sing about how it's you and me and all of the people like, whatever that means, what, like, next time you hear Colby Calette all bubbly sing about how, like, it starts in her toes and makes her crinkle her nose, like, next time, every time, from this Point on that Jack Johnson in your, in your 2003 Saturn view serenades you about how it's always better when we're together, you will, without even knowing it, you will have no choice but to think about me and just maybe you'll fall in love with me or at least text me on your, like T9 text me on your razor. Who remembers razors? Praise God. Christian, do you know what a razor is? Do you know I'm talking about the cell phone? Like your dad used to make fun of my generation for not knowing like the phone with the spinny thing. I don't, even, I don't even know what it's called, Ed. And now, my, how the tables have turned. I'm doing the same thing to your son right now. Yeah, that's what it's called. I'm now 30. Those were the phones before smartphones, dumb phones. That's, that wasn't that long ago, or maybe it was. I don't know, Let's, we're off topic. Um, Mixtapes are more than just playlists. They are made to move you, right? This series is made to move to move you, to move your vision for love and relationships in your life closer to the vision that God has for you in regards to love. relationships right like made to move you and this is for all of us like regardless of who you are or what your story is or where you've been or what your Facebook status is we are all community beings right designed for community created to do life with each other created to follow Jesus with each other created to know and be known by each other and we are that way because God is that way and we are made in his image right does that make sense are you following me Cole can you put up a Uh, Genesis 1-1, here we go. God said, first verse in the Bible, uh, it's easy to find. In the beginning, I was like, God, I was going to say, I was going to quote, let there be light. I'm so used to saying that. That's not where we're going. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth so in the beginning it's just God right just God and nobody else and this God by himself just starts making stuff right and you can fast forward 26 verses to Genesis 1:26, and it says this God said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness and so you read that you're like God who are you talking to because it's just you and all of a sudden, this God who's by himself is referring to himself as we and us and our, right? And so either either God has dual personality disorder like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, or God is a Trinity, right? Three separate entities, yet one God all at the same time, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a crazy concept. Don't think on it too hard or you'll get a headache. I've been there. It's not fun, right? But God, literally, God is within himself a community. Like, you know the TV show, This Is Us? Like, God introduces himself that way. Like, hi, this is us. Not this is me. This is us. The three best friends that anybody could have is truly God, he is a community within himself, and he made us in his image, right? The imago Dei, the image of God. Male and female, he created them. He created us like him. We are relational because he is relational. We love love because God loves Love. He really does. We love Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson movies because God, I'm convinced, loves Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson movies. Why? Because we we have to believe, man, somewhere out there, there really is a love that is unbreakable. There really is a love that is unstoppable. That's why we'll, we'll buy tickets to see the same movie. It's the same, but like, I love it. I'm bought in, right? I'll go see the next one. It's the same plot. You know how it's gonna end, but you'll go pay to see it because, man, I have to believe that something like this exists, right? I wish I could quote it. I wish I've seen any Matthew McConaughey movies and could quote him. All right, all right, all right. Maybe I can. Do you, who knows what this is from? Andy, you might've gotten it from that. Andy, you did your job. You tried to lose a guy in 10 days, and guess what? You just lost him. That's all I know. No, it's not. No, I didn't, Ben. Why? Because you can't lose something you never had. That's how to lose a guy in 10 days, by the way. And that's towards the end of the movie where you think surely all is lost and surely they're not going to end up together. But wouldn't you know, 10 minutes in the movie time later on the Manhattan Bridge, they make up, right? And it's like this crazy good ending. I was actually on the Manhattan Bridge in New York last week with Sean Johnson, our lead pastor of Red Rocks, my boss. We were in an Uber and I was like, Sean, do you know where we are right now? And I like without missing a beat, he was like, oh, you mean the bridge where Benjamin Barry and Andy Anderson made up at the end of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days on the back of Benjamin's motorcycle? Yeah, I know right where we are. And, and like he started crying, and I started crying, and our Uber driver came to know Jesus, like, in that moment. Like, it was powerful, man. It really was. It, was. it was a moment. But, like, man, we have to believe there is unstoppable love out there. Why? Because you were created in the image of a God whose love never fails, right? It's the same thing like all the movies and like themes of stories and books that we love like i'll give you another one we love to believe we have to believe that that good triumphs over evil we have to believe that and we believe that we want to to know that that's real because currently we have a good god who is doing that right now we have a god who is triumphing over evil as we speak and that's his heart right we love what dad loves we just do we love those kinds of movies i'm convinced god loves those kinds of movies because it's straight from his heart we love relationships because god loves relationships right we we are created we are relational beings created for community created in the image of a god who is a community A God who is a community. And and so that leads me to ask this question right here. If that's true, and it is, then who do you really think has more for you and better for you in terms of love and relationships, right? God or the world? God or the world like God has got like we're, we're talking about vision today I want to challenge us I want to talk to you about vision because when you have a vision of like your future We think about that like all the time we talk about um we talk about like uh mission statements and vision we cast vision in companies and in churches and in organizations right but like what about in in individual lives and what like what about for you what about for marriages right like the bible says without vision people perish do we have that Cole? i think it's proverbs 18 29 where there is no vision see it's like The people perish, it's in the Bible, I told you. Without vision, the people perish. And I'm like, well, of course they do. Of course they do, because vision, vision of then gives you passion for now, right? Having like a clear destination in mind for then gives you direction in the here and now. Vision gives you something to run after. Vision inspires you to something that is bigger than yourself. And without vision, we just, we don't know where we're going. And we don't know what we're doing if we're not running towards something. Like it says, without vision, people perish. I'm like, man, I wonder like without vision, do marriages perish? Do friendships die without vision, right? Do we compromise in life because we don't understand the vision that God has in store for us? This is what Eve did in the garden, right? She traded God's vision for her life. Like we read Genesis, I read Genesis 3 and I'm like, how do you mess that up, right? Like Adam and Eve, like you had everything, paradise. We're talking an eternal honeymoon, right? And, and traded it for something so much less. Why? She thought God was holding out on her. That's why. She thought God was, what, like, did not really have her best interests at heart. And I think, hey, I, and I grew up thinking that. I didn't become a Christian until college. Before that, I always knew God was real, but I always thought He was trying to take fun from me. I was like, God, like, like, I'll, I'll make peace with you the day sinning is no longer fun, right? Like, if that, look can be honest, like, if that, if that day ever comes, because I thought he was the cosmic killjoy up in the sky who just wanted my, like, my behavior, right? And wanted to take something from me. I'm here to tell you, like, the whole story of the Bible is this God, like, everything is his in the universe. The world is his and everything in it. And all, like, this whole story is just him trying to give it. Creating human beings in his image and then trying to share it and trying to give it He has nothing to gain by taking anything from you And that includes in the domain of love and sex and relationships and friendship Absolutely it does And if you understand God's vision, you will not trade it for something far less For the world's vision for you Because the world has a vision for love and relationships for you The world has patterns Right, and I don't mean to be offensive, but I think we're all here because we understand like they're not working for anybody. Like we trade, like it didn't work for Eve. It doesn't work for anybody who trades that for this. Like in fifth grade, I had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. A Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, went to school, traded it for a Charizard Pokemon card. Came home, told my dad, and he was like, I'm sorry. You did what? You traded you traded your Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card for what? Charizard? What is that? I was like, dad, it's a Pokemon, it's a holographic. See, it's shiny. He's like, that, son, that's a bad trade. It's a bad trade. Like, that's gonna be cool for another three months, okay? You got gypped is what you got. Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, that's timeless, okay? You saw too small. You didn't see how good this was, and so you compromised, right? Like, really, like, sit, like this whole, like, relationship thing, like, with God, when it comes to God, okay, what do you want? What's your vision? It's not about not sinning as much as it is just not settling, <laughs> C.S. Lewis has this quote. It's not going to be up on the screen, but it's amazing. It's very famous where he says, man, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is being offered to us as, as sons and daughters of the God who owns everything, right? He says it's like, it's like an ignorant child in a third world slum who is content to make mud pies because he has no idea what is meant at a holiday at by a holiday at sea right like we are far too easily pleased I think sin oftentimes it's like yeah it's tempting sure but I think more so than like this being tempting than Charizard being tempting is the fact that you don't know what you have you don't know the extent to the goodness of what God has for you. This God whose only desire is to give, right? We make the trade because we don't understand. Man, we, we are far too easily pleased. We compromise because we don't, we, like, I don't understand, God, what you have for me. Or it's too good to be true. Or I tried it for like a couple days and, and then this was just too tempting and this was right here and this was fun for three months. It was cool to have, but... Man, bad trade. We are far too easily pleased. And I think it comes down to a vision thing. I think it's a vision question. Like, if you know, if you know what God has in store for you, you're not going to trade it. Also, if you, if you know what God has in store for you and you know, like, the destinations he has for you, if you, if you see the end game of your life, then it's funny how all of our questions and all the things that keep us up at night in the here and now wondering, hey, do I go left or right here? Like they all kind of start to find their place because I know, I know where I'm going. Like this, works, like this works out on road trips, right? Like certain paths have specific destinations always. I-35 North always goes to Waco, right? Not just Monday through Friday, always goes Waco, If you're trying to get to the Pacific Ocean and you hop on 290 and you head east, I don't care how badly you want to get there. I don't care what your intentions are, how good they are. If that's like the only thing you ever dreamed of, you will not get there regardless of your intentions because you're going the wrong way. And Andy Stanley would say, it's your direction, not your intentions that determine your destination. And so let's think of our lives, our relationships, our friendships, our marriages, our future marriages in terms of like vision and end game, right? Because if we know the end game, we'll live today with the end game in mind. If we know the destination, then we'll know the directions now, right? Like if you open up your Bible uh, to try to find like, God, who should I marry? Or, or what, what school should I go to? What job should I take, God? Like, you're not gonna find the answers in the Bible. It can be kind of frustrating until you understand how God is trying to work through those pages to speak into your life. Cole, can you put up uh, Matthew chapter 19 I think it is yeah so this is uh this is Jesus and he has got a group of people the Pharisees who are questioning him about relationships asking him Jesus yes or no right here left or right right here and Jesus doesn't really give them straight answers I want you to notice what Jesus does let's read it when Jesus had finished saying these things he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan large crowds followed him and he healed them there some Pharisees came to him to test him and they asked is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason next slide haven't you heard he replied he doesn't like he's not going to answer it he says this at the beginning the creator at the beginning the creator At the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is saying, it's a great question. Let me point you back to the vision. Let me point you back to to the end game. He's pointing back to the beginning. In the beginning, this is what God did, but how many know God is outside of time? So the beginning is not a place God used to be. It's a place that he currently is right now while we're having church. The future, the end of all things is not a place he will be when that comes. It's a place he is right now. Just as much as he's here, Right? He is outside of time. Another concept. Don't think about it too hard because it's too crazy to comprehend. But God is saying, hey, here's the vision. The vision doesn't change. It's the same as it was then, as it is today, as it will always be. Let me take you back. He points them to something bigger because if you know the destination, then you will be able to determine the direction now. Right? If you have vision, then it will give you passion in the here. And now, so God, like in the Bible, it's like, well, I, I don't, it doesn't tell me who do I marry and who do I not, right? He says, hey, let me give you some, some vision. Let me, let me paint a picture for you of what I have in store for you. And if you, can, if you can make that everything, then I think all of this left and right yes or no stuff will kind of start to fall into place because destination gives direction. I uh I um in college, so I, I already told you I, I came to know Jesus one night in Boulder, Colorado, we had a uh uh college ministry and I stumbled in there, not a Christian, and walked out an hour and fifteen minutes later, saved in my life, and all of my plans and my trajectory changed for the rest of my life. I uh I uh, was pre-med in in college and had all of these plans, and I like to say God changed them. He ruined all of my plans in the best way ever, in the best way ever. And I knew it that night. I also, at the time, I was uh, dating a girl who I thought I was going to marry. Like, it it was going well. We were together for about two years, but it was not a godly relationship. God was not at the center. God wasn't a part of it at all. And uh, I, I always say this because it's important, but um, this, she's, a, she's an amazing person, better person than me. Better person than me. It's just that in this moment, my direction changed, because my destination for what I wanted in life and what was now important to me changed. And how many know if, if one of you's trying to go to the Pacific Ocean, and one's trying to go to the Atlantic Ocean, No matter how much you like each other, you cannot travel in the same car. And it's not a character question of who's better and who's worse, who's the Christian and who's not. It's simply just a a direction question. I'm trying to go west, you're trying to go east. This is not going to work. And I knew, I knew, I knew. You know how like you get saved and first of all, nobody said following Jesus was easy or for the faint of heart. It's amazing and it's rich, but not because it's easy for so many other reasons. And as soon as you really start following Jesus, there's, there's acts of obedience, there's different things that he, you know he's like, okay, you know that, I need you to give me that. You know that part of your life, I need you to change that. You know that, I need you to give me that. And, the, and it's not easy. And the very first act of obedience I ever had as a Christian was ending this relationship with my girlfriend. And, uh, And I knew God was saying, buddy, I've got so much in store for both of you moving forward. But as long as you're frustrated in the same car, um, I'm not getting through to either of you. And you need to trust me here. And it it was, and it's not going to be easy. It was the hardest, it was one of the hardest weekends of my entire life. We were doing long distance at the time. I was in Boulder and she was in uh, Spokane, Washington at Gonzaga. And I was like, man, like okay, how do I do this in the best way ever? I don't want to call her and do this. I, uh, I bought a plane ticket, a one-way ticket to Gonzaga, to Spokane, and I get off the plane, and of course, this weekend, it's just pouring rain. I'm like, God, of course, like, the weather is going to reflect my heart right now, you know? And, and, uh, and it was, man, it was one of the hardest things that I've had to do and ended that relationship, and it, it, was, it was painful, was painful. It was painful from start to finish, and I remember just getting back on the plane, flying back to Colorado. My friend picked me up from the airport, and as we're pulling back into Boulder, I get a text on my phone and I pull it out, and it's from a guy named Sam. All right, now my wife is also named Sam. I have a lot of important Sams in my life. I'm married to one, and one of them led me to Jesus, okay? The guy who led me to Jesus, that Sam texted me, and he said, he said hey, bro, I just met you this past week after church, I, I, I'm starting a life group. He's like, I know this sounds weird. I'm starting a life group of a bunch of young guys, a bunch of young knuckleheads just like you, um, and do you want to come? This afternoon, we are meeting on Pearl Street at a restaurant, and uh, I'd just I would love for you just to come and hang out. And I did, and I invited Ryan, and Ethan was there. And that afternoon, that afternoon, I, I met this life group, this group of guys who to this day is the greatest gift God has given me other than my wife, my son, and my salvation. The greatest gift that God has given me because I've had friends in life before like I've had I have a lot of good buddies in life from high school from college I still talk to you like I I know what it's like to to be in relationships with friends um who are just friends or or have a girlfriend who's just a girlfriend but there is something guys that is so different about being thrown into the same car with people who are heading in the same direction as you passionate about the same thing that you are sold out for this Jesus thing would die for this Jesus thing understand that their life is no longer about them but about something so much bigger and want the same things that you want there is something that is different about that kind of a relationship in friendships and in dating and in marriage. And I found that out that weekend. Like like this group of guys, even to this day, that was nine years ago. That was the end of 2008, beginning of 2009. And, and still to this day, if there's some, like if I need to call or text somebody about something important, I call or text one of them. Every fall, we all live in different cities, but every fall, we all have a reunion in Southern California, and we meet back up and we do for hours. We check in and we pray with each other because there's something different about friends and and uh, and and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives and every relationship that you could think of. There is something different when you are bonded and united by. Jesus Christ there's something you were not made to follow Jesus on your own you have to for yourself but not by yourself I would say it's not possible by yourself what's your vision because I I promise God only wants to give but oftentimes, um, his giving is right on the other side of our obedience or our sacrifice. And so, I want to ask you and challenge you. Okay, what is that for you? And this is this is a pitch. Absolutely, this is a pitch. We're having life group launch tonight, okay? And uh, and and maybe for you, it's just going back and signing up, taking a, a pen and writing your name down on a sheet to sign up for a life group. That's scary. You want to know what's even scarier than that? Actually, showing up for a life group and then having the guts to come back the next week, and then the week after that, and then the week after that to give God enough time to do something crazy in your life. But but when it comes to God's vision for you in regards to love and relationships, this is too. Good good to trade away and this is too good to let fear decide that you're not going to have it it's too good for that fear's real it has zero right or authority to make decisions for you you were you were not given the spirit of fear you were given the spirit of power of love and a sound mind and this vision is too good red rocks it's too good It is too good. So what is your end game? What is your vision? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be married to? What kind of spouse do you want to be? What kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of friends do you want to have? What kind of friend do you want to be, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about that stuff. I got married to my wife five years ago, and we never thought about our end game. We never thought about, like, our, our mission or, or, God, give us some vision for our marriage. We just got married, and we vowed that we would always be married, and we're like, well, we'll we were like, well, let's see what happens. And that's like, but you would never do that if you got into a car. <laughs> you would never just get into a car and then start driving and see like let's, let's figure out where we're going to go you have to it's regardless of how badly you want to get to where you want to go it's your direction not your dreams and not your intentions that determine where you get to, and it's your decisions every single day that determine your direction. And so God's been challenging me recently, and just for like week one of this relationship series, because I'm so excited for this series, you guys, um, we, uh, I think it's gonna be good, but just like following Jesus, it's gonna be good, not because it's easy, but because it's real, and it's authentic, and we get gritty in this church and talk about real stuff here, and even like next week, we're gonna talk about shame, and that's a huge thing for me. A huge part of my story still is. And I bet for a lot of you, it is as well. And just to give you a little teaser trailer for next week, like I really believe, man, and this isn't always true, but I believe there's a lot of times when you're trying to follow Jesus where shame is a bigger problem in your life than even sin is in your life. Okay, follow me, because your sin does not keep Jesus from you. Not anymore, not since 2,000 years ago. When a dead Messiah stood up and walked out of his tomb, we now live in a new era where sin is no longer a problem. Sin does not keep Jesus from you, but oftentimes your shame keeps you from him. Your shame keeps you from him. And, and oh my gosh, I believe shame, I believe shame is about to bow and take its place beneath your feet for so many people in here, this series, for this series. That's then, this week, I want to challenge you to go to God and ask him, God, what is your vision for my life in regards to love and relationships? If God, if you had to paint a destination or an end game for me, what would it be? So I bet you that's a prayer that God would love to respond to. And for some of you, you've had a hard time with relationships, and I get that, and Ben, you guys can come up. You've had a hard time with relationships, and maybe, like, you going to God is just for, like, a week, you venting to him and, and yelling at him and crying with him, right? And, and I, I promise you, I bet you God would love that this week. God's a big boy. He can handle it. Like, he's got, he's got, he, 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 he's like, I know that's in you anyways, I know it's in there. Like, thank you for telling me. Thank you for being real. I can do something through Christians who are willing to be authentic. Because even if you're yelling at him and even if you're crying, you're still spending time with him. Therefore, you're doing exactly what he wants. He's a relational God. He's not interested in religion, not interested in sacrifice. He just wants to be with you. So much so, he went to the greatest lengths and made the greatest sacrifice that you can possibly make just to be with you. God would love to be with you this week and answer that question answer that prayer God what is your vision for my life in regards to love and relationships I've never thought about that I'm like man my wife and I we've we've never asked that question we are about to uh Um, we're we're planning on. I just realized, man, we haven't been on a vacation, just me and her, since our honeymoon five years ago. And I'm like, hey, even if it's just three days or four days, we're going to a beach somewhere. I don't care if it's Galveston, Texas. I just want to be sitting on a beach for a little bit. I'm not trying to experience like a new city or immerse myself in a new culture or or go on any trips or adventures. I want to sit on the beach. I want to get as tan as I possibly can. And then here's what we're going to do. And this might not sound... This might actually sound pretty nerdy and businessy to you and maybe not that romantic I happen to think this is romantic and like just go with me every single day we are gonna take a little bit of time just a little bit of time to talk about and dream up okay God what's our vision for our family for our marriage I wonder if without vision marriages kind of just either perish or just shift into neutral and before you know it it's like where are we going Where with my friendships, where are we going? Where am I going? What's my destination? Like I want, I want to put language to it, you know. Like I want to be able to come back from that trip and like give you like a 30-second elevator pitch about the Weckenman family vision. Here's who we are. Here's who we're not. Here's what we value. Here's what we don't. Here's what we believe in. Here's what we don't. And based on our vision and our end game, we will work a little bit less so we can spend more time with family. We will go without this and that so we can be more generous, right? We will go to counseling and we won't wait until we're in trouble. We'll just go and. To counseling all the time because we love it and we'll say yes to this and that for the same reasons we say no to to that and that because we have an end game in mind of where we're trying to get to and every day we are on purpose making decisions for how we're going to live now to get there then. A destination gives you direction here. A vision gives you passion in the here and now. Like even my son will. Like one day when I drop him off at elementary school and, uh, and it, it hopefully his siblings too, drop them off and, and be able to say, Will, we're Weckinmans. What does that mean? And have him like, give me an answer. Like, Dad, it means that we are kind and encouraging and we look for lonely people. That's right, son. Have a great day, right? Like I want him to know like, no, I'm a Weckenman. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is our end game. And today, even at school, I'm living with the end game in mind. Man, I wonder like if you could start living with the end game of your life, of your relationships. You can apply this to any part of your life. Like you're on a a financial path, right? On a, a health path, on relational paths. All of those paths have destinations that they always lead to. So what path are you on right now? What paths are you on and do they need to change? And I'm telling you, they will change when you get vision for a new end game. It is too good, man, what God has in store. Too good to trade away. All he wants to do is give. He's the, like, maybe the engineer of all of this happens to be the expert as well. (laughs) Rather than Hollywood, right? I love Hollywood, but man, mud pie in a slum or a vacation for a year at sea on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. (laughs) You'll trade this for this all the time, not because this is so good and always comes through, but because you don't know how good this is. So ask God this week, God, give me vision, give me an end game, give me a destination because destinations give directions now And vision gives passion now. Amen? Is this making sense? Would you guys stand up? God, we love you so much. We love you so much, God. Thank you for my friends who were even obedient to respond to you calling them to church on a Sunday evening. God, you always respond when we're obedient. And I pray that you'd respond right now even in 15 minutes of worship. I pray for seeds of courage for any of my friends in here who need it this week or specifically tonight to go sign up for a life group. God, I pray just the same way that nine years ago I have a testimony about the first life group I ever went to. I pray that this would be part of people's testimonies years from now, God. This day, this night, God. We believe you can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That applies to relationships as well. So God, inspire us. We love you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking, we, uh, other than our parents, me and my wife have uh, couples that were like, we want to be like you. Like when it comes to our vision for what we want to be, you guys are pictures of it. And uh, two of them, uh, Justin and Andy Matta, Ethan's parents, who are our marriage counselors, not because they came to us and were like, hey, can we counsel you guys? But because we forced ourselves into their lives and said, you guys are gonna be our marriage counselors. How does that sound, right? Like, I'm gonna get around you. I'm gonna get around you because you're a picture of the vision that I want. And then and it's them and then um, Sean Johnson and his wife, Jill. We look at them and we're like, That's who we want to be. Like your marriage, the way you guys are with your kids, like their home, when you walk into it, it's like a sanctuary of peace when you walk into it that anybody experiences when they come over and that doesn't happen by accident you don't stumble into your end game you don't stumble into the right destination without doing it on purpose and I know man that takes cultivating a sanctuary type home and we look at them like man we just we want to be like you so we're going to be around you and and right before we moved to Austin two months before we packed a U-Haul and came here we sold our condo so we were without a home for two months and I remember sitting in Sean's office and I told him about it, and he was like, he was just trying to be nice, I guarantee it. But he was like, Oh, like just, you know, if you need it, come live with us. And I said, Okay. He was like, What's up? Said, Yeah. And we moved in the next week. I'm like, we will be around you. I'm gonna surround myself with a picture of what I wanna be, what my wife wants to be, what we wanna be together, like if that's my vision then I'm gonna gonna fill in the details with the people around me. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Okay, you guys, he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. There's nothing he wants, he'd rather do than be with his kids. Even now for 15 minutes of worship, I believe if you open your heart and let him in, um, this will be, you will leave different than how you walked in. So let's worship.